Chapter Two of the Jackknife Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, Peter's Guests. Come right in, ma'am," said Peter. "Step inside and close the door. Nobody here is going to hurt you. I'll put my shoes on in a minute." He was feeling for the matches on his clock shelf, but he hardly knew what he was doing or saying. The ghastly white face of the woman was still blazed on his mind. "'Excuse me for being barefoot. I wasn't looking for callers,' he continued nervously. But he was interrupted by the sound of a falling body and a cry. He pushed one of the stove lids aside, letting a glare of red light into the room. The woman had fallen across his door sill and lay half in and half out of the boat, with the boy crying as he clung to her relaxed fingers. "'Don't, Mama, don't!' the small boy wailed, not understanding. Peter stood irresolute. He was a coward before women. They drove his wits away, and his first wild thought was of flight, of leaping over the fallen body. But as he stood, the alarm clock, after a preliminary warning click, burst into a loud jangling clatter, and the boy, sore frightened, howled with all his strength. That decided for Peter. "'There, now, don't you cry, son,' he begged, on his knees beside the boy in an instant. "'Don't you mind the racket. It ain't nothing but my old funny alarm clock. She goes off that way sometimes, but she don't mean any harm to anybody.' "'No, sir. Don't you cry.' The boy wailed more wildly than ever, calling on his mother to get up. "'Don't cry. Your ma will be all right,' urged Peter. "'That clock will stop right soon, and she won't begin again, not unless she takes a notion.' The clock stopped ringing abruptly. The boy stared at it, open-mouthed. "'That's a big boy!' said Peter approvingly. And don't you worry about your ma. I guess she'll be all right in a minute. You go over by that stove and warm yourself, and I'll help your ma in so this rain won't blow on her. Peter led the boy to the stove and lighted his lamp. He put the peg back in the wall and placed the gun behind the boy's reach before he turned to the woman. She was neither young nor old, but as she lay on the floor she was ghastly white, even in the glare from the smoking oil lamp, and her lips were blue. Her cheap hat was wet and weighted down with sleet, and the green dye from the trimmings had run down and streaked her face. She was fairly well clad, but not against the winter rain, and her shoes were too light and too high of heel for tramping a railway track. Peter saw she was wet to the skin. He bent down and, with his knee against her shoulder, moved her inside the door and closed it. "'That's hot in there,' said the boy, who had been staring into the glowing coals of the open stove. "'I better not put my hand in there. I'll burn my hand if I put it in there, won't I?' "'Yes, indeedy,' said Peter. But now I got to fix your ma so she will be more comfortable. 
"'I wish I had some liquor or something,' he said, looking at the woman helplessly. "'Brandy or whiskey would be right handy. And I ain't got a drop. This ain't no case for cold water. She's had too much cold water already. I wonder what coffee would do.' He put his coffee-pot down among the coals of his fire, and while he waited for it to heat, he drew on his shoes. "'I guess your ma will feel sort of sick when she wakes up,' he told the boy. "'And I guess she'd be right glad if we took off them wet shoes and stockings of yours and got your feet nice and warm. You want to be ready to help look after your ma. You ain't going to be afraid to let me, are you?' "'No,' said the boy promptly, and held out his arms for Peter to take him. He was a solid little fellow, as Peter found when he picked him up, and his hair was a tangled halo of long white kinks that burst out when Peter pulled off the red stocking cap into which they had been compressed. From the first moment the boy snuggled to Peter, settling himself contentedly in Peter's arms as affectionate children do. He had a comical little up-tilt to his nose and eyes of a deeper blue than Peter's, and his face was white but covered with freckles. "'That's my good foot,' said the boy, as Peter pulled off one stocking. "'Well, it looks like a mighty good one to me, too,' said Peter. "'So far as I can see, it is just as good as anybody'd want.' "'Yes, it's my hop-on foot,' explained the boy. "'The other foot is the lame one. It ain't such a good foot.' It's Mama's honey foot. Shuh, now, said Peter gently. Well, I'll be real careful and not hurt it a bit. He began removing the shoe and stocking from the lame foot with delicate care, and the boy laughed delightedly. Ho, oh, you don't have to be careful with it, he laughed, giving a little kick. You thought it was a sore foot, didn't you? It ain't sore, it's only lame. Peter put the barefoot boy on the edge of the bunk and hung the wet stockings over his woodpile. The boy asked for the jackknife again, and Peter handed it to him. You just set there, he told the boy, and wiggle your toes at the stove, like they was ten little kittens, and I'll see if your ma wants a drink of nice hot coffee. He poured the coffee into his tin cup and went to the woman, raised her head, and held the hot coffee to her lips. At the first touch of the hot liquid, she opened her eyes and laughed, a harsh, mirthless laugh, which made her strangle on the coffee. But when her eyes met Peter's eyes, the oath that was on her lips died unspoken. No woman, and but few men, could look into Peter's eyes and curse and her eyes were not those of a drunkard, as Peter had supposed they would be. "'That's all right,' she said. "'I must have keeled over, didn't I? Where's Buddy?' "'He's right over here, warming his little feet as nice as can be,' said Peter. "'And he was real concerned about you.' "'I wouldn't have come in but for him,' said the woman, trying to straighten her hat. I thought maybe he could get a bite to eat. It don't matter much what, he ain't eat since noon. A piece of bread would do him till we get to town. 
she leaned back wearily against the pile of nets in the corner. "'I want butter on it, bread and butter on it,' said Buddy promptly. "'There now,' said Peter accusingly. "'I might have knowed it was foolish to let myself run so low on food. A man can't tell when food is going to come in handiest, and here I went and let myself run clean out of it. But don't you worry, ma'am.' he hastened to add. I'll get some in no time. Just you let me help you over to my bunk. I ain't got a chair, or I'd offer it to you whilst I run up to one of my neighbors and get you a bite to eat. I've got good neighbors. That's one thing. The woman caught Peter by the arm and drew herself up, laughing weakly at her weakness. She tottered, but Peter led her to the bunk with all the courtesy of a Raleigh escorting an Elizabeth, and she dropped on the edge of the bunk and sat there warming her hands and staring at the stove. She seemed still near exhaustion. "'If you'll excuse me now, ma'am,' said Peter, when he had made sure she was not going to faint again, "'I'll just step across to my neighbor's and get something for the boy to eat.' I won't probably be gone more than a minute, and whilst I'm gone I'll arrange for a place for me to sleep tonight. You hadn't ought to make that boy walk no further tonight. It's a real bad night outside. That's all right. I don't want to chase you out, said the woman. Not at all, said Peter politely. I frequently sleep elsewheres. It'll be no trouble at all to make arrangements. He put more wood in the stove, opened the dampers, and lighted his lantern. Then he pinned his coat close about his neck with a blanket pin, and, as he passed the clock shelf, slipped the alarm swiftly from its place and hid it beneath his coat. "'I'll be right back as soon as I can,' he said, and drawing his worn felt hat down over his eyes, he stepped out hastily and slammed the door behind him. "'Why did the man take the clock?' asked the boy as the door closed. "'I guess he thought I'd steal it,' said the woman languidly. "'Would you steal it?' asked the boy. "'I guess so,' the woman answered and closed her eyes. End of chapter 2